Yeah, great to chat for the first time in 2023 with Richard Callender. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone had a, a wonderful, but more importantly, a safe uh, transition into 2023. Uh, and we just ch- spoke then with Adam Watt. Uh, you were at Canterbury on, of course, New Year's Day. You got to see IME in the flesh, and, gee, that was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, she was impressive again. It was another stepping stone for her. There's no doubt that she's been the, the star of this little period. She's been running time. She was she broke the track record. Um, it was a step up against some you know quality older, tough, hard heads, in, including Space Boy. She got the job done, and um, she's onwards. And you know she'll um, probably I'm not sure whether she got have a little break or not. Whether Adam told you that, but uh, she'll she'll have to step up again. But she looks quality all over, and she's versatile and. You know what, for the, the late uh, riding change, I thought Andrew Atkins deserved yeah. a, a huge, huge pat on the back. I was going to try and chat with Randall this morning, but he was a bit busy. Um, yeah, I could only imagine what was going through his mind because obviously to jump on, a lot of eyes on her too, um, and at that short price. So uh, just on in your way of you doing form, Richie, how much do you bring the clock into it? I mean, because like she obviously, you know, she's beaten Space Boy. 1.2, do you, and, and you look at the run and you go, yep, she's done work, how good, she went to be there, bang, bang, bang. But then when you hear that she, you know, breaks the track record, she runs that 34-13 um, uh, for the 600, does that, how do you incorporate that into your form? Yeah, good good question, Dave. The simple fact is the matter that we had eight races, um, there was one track record, there was six class records and one hovering on the edge of a class record. So that suggests to you the track was on fire. Um, it plays a role, not as big a role when you look across the whole program, and it was just a fast, fast day. They were they were scooting around the speed, even when you thought, oh, they got an easy time up front, and they still run a clear class record. And uh, one of the other races was only point one one outside Hoistar's track record, I think it was. So, look, it was a very fast day, but she got the job done. She looked awesome in doing it. Uh, you know, the best part of the whole day was um, there was a stack of owners, and uh, as I was leaving, I, I, I chatted to about four or five of the owners of IME, and uh, it was just excited to see how excited they were. That, and that, that made my daughter, Brooke, and I walk away smiling. What about uh, back to Saturday, of course, racing at... Royal Ramwick, uh, we saw a good performance in the first from Infatuation off to the Gold Coast, and I didn't mind the, the run of the Little Pumper either. Yeah, no, they, they, look, they were, they were both good runs. They dominated uh, up front. Uh, I always think it's a hard spot. Being outside the leader when there's another horse three deep outside you, I always think it's an awkward spot, but uh, Rachel seemed to manage that well, uh, Rachel King and Board Infatuation, and then when it got down to the nitty-gritty and you got to find that extra half-neck, uh, I thought it was a good job. It's interesting. What's the best two-year-olds we've seen? The Wyong two-year-old form certainly holding up. Um, I still think the best two-year-old I've seen is Annabelle Neesham's two-year-old, and it hasn't won a race yet. It's had two seconds, and it's on the borderline. Will it get in the Magic Millions? Will she run it this week? I don't know, but uh, it's it's certainly going to be interesting come the, the Magic Millions uh, for sure in Saturday week. Yeah, five dollars the field at the moment in that two-year-old classic, that all-in market. So, Empire of Japan five dollars confirmed. What twenty-four hours roughly ago, that J Mac will ride Empire of Japan. Jamie Carr on Sovereign Fun, and Ben Millam on the other runner um, for the Snowdens, uh, and then the three-year-old Guineas, Russian Conquest. There is at five dollars. Hell, I am at eight dollars, and 
Gaza Blanca. Well, I don't know. Will it, it be there after Saturday, Gaza Blanca? Well, you know, there was... I think it broke the track record of Cranmer, didn't it? Yes. See? Yeah. And then come to Rose Hill, got a 15 out of 10 ride from Jason Collett. It was one of the best rides you'll see um, after the horse was a slow step away. It got held up for a half a stride, and that's only if you're clutching at straws. The winner of Gary Nixon's just went like a jet, ran 1-8. No excuses last Saturday. It had every possible, every possible. Mm. Um, and Yoshino was able to beat it home. So the query's out about it. Some horses attack the line. Some horses don't. I think it's a quality horse, Garza Blanca. There's no doubt. But um, it's just got to, you know, is it up to them? I've got no doubt it's up to the best three-year-olds. But it's got to, it's got to get its head back down. It's uh, it's two runs in Sydney. The first one was great last Saturday. You'd have to say it was disappointing, although only marginally beaten. Mm. Great article with Ray Thomas and Peter Volandis uh, in the News Limited papers. And it's on racing as we speak. And he talks about uh, the challenges facing racing in 2023. Um, and it's always good to be thinking about the, the challenges because you want to be on the front foot. But um, obviously he mentions the fact that uh, there'll be further stakes increases for the spring after the success of the, the big dance, which was, I thought, outstanding, uh, the five diamonds, etc. I just read the article very quickly, but I thought um, in one regard, I, I know that Peter mentioned in the article with Ray that you know, the, uh, he'll look at races, um, the three races, the Ingham, which was very big turnover race, the calendar president was another race there. But I thought overall, I thought it was more balanced in relation to not major increases. It might be a reshuffle of the deck and, and look what was positive, what was negative. Um, because he also mentions the article about, you know, the interest rates, the pressure of living, cost of living, the interest rates going up. Uh, it was incredible turnover during COVID. And, and if you look on social media, and that's not always the barometer, because, but the one thing you'll see in, in all responses to any article, to anything you say, I say, uh, it comes out with, with vested interest. And, and, and that's life, you know. You've got to look out for what's best for you and what's best... You'll get the, the, the trainers where I, where I sit in the corner of that the, the stake increases is good. The prize money across the board. I was at Gilgandra yesterday and talking, to, and we had a little hiccup up there, but so many trainers up there were just, you know, we're talking about how much prize money is across the level, which is incredible. Um, and obviously the big end of town gets, there's a lot of prize money here too, but it, it goes right down over the board. Then you'll get the the, the punters who, who, who want more more for the punting, you want the, the minimum bet limits uh, raised. That only help a, a very minute minority. Um, but it, the the taxes on wagering, whether they're having an effect when you get over a certain amount of race on the weekend. So I thought it was pretty balanced in that regard. That you've you've got to act on the you got to act on the go. And what Peter's job is, and I I argue with Peter many a times. I was only looking Michael Callan and our vice chairman. I was only looking through a few of the emails that. I probably worded a bit aggressive over the last 12 months. But, you know, Peter's job is to look after every stakeholder and every part of the industry, not just one. So you can't please everyone all the time. You've got to try and please the majority at some stage. So he's got an, an awkward job. He obviously works long hours and he wants to leave a wonderful legacy for racing, which, you know, the incredible prize money that we race for. Um, it's very buoyant at the moment. But I thought the article was more based around 
let's just be careful of, of what's happening at the moment so we can, if he needs to, he can pivot in one stride and, and, and change direction if the economy continues to really toughen up in the next 12 months. What do you see as the biggest challenge facing racing for the year? Well, look, I think there's a lot, David. Obviously, continuing the the wagering turnover—that's um, an act. You've, you've got to, if you're not going forward and creating new opportunities and new races or or, or a new breath of fresh air, as you like, you know, you get stale. And if you're not going forward and the others are, you're going backwards. You've, you've got to keep in coming up with new ideas, uh, new ways to increase turnover because that's the the lifeblood of our industry. We've got to find a way to make you know. Uh, owners' returns bigger, um, their outgoing costs as smaller, um, but we've got to also make m- make every opportunity we can to make you know trainers' businesses uh, as we can more profitable, or you know at least to the, the stage where trainers can keep their head above water. We've had a, a lot of trainers have had tough times in relation to floods in that regard, and a lot of trainers are really suffering. Jockeys do a lot of hours travelling. Uh, we need infrastructure improvements, um, but uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Ideally, like everything, Dave, we'd all like to move a little bit quicker, but that's just the the, the world we live in. And I can tell you, uh, a mate of mine was trying to get a unit renovated where you used to have 20 quotes. You know, the, the blokes are putting in quotes now and they, they're putting start times as June 2024. There's just not enough tradesmen out there to get things done. We're having... Reed Sanders, who does the Polytrax, his company and staff are just run off their feet. Um, we've got a lot of volunteers out at race courses doing, you know, a lot of the work trying to get tracks uh, up to standard for race. It's it's a very big juggling act, and, and sometimes things fall through the cracks, and we've just got to try and minimise those cracks. All right, I like it, uh, mate. So, what about uh, just some? Early 2023 uh, predictions. I love this because it's uh, you know it gets people sort of thinking throughout the day or for the next couple of minutes, and uh, it doesn't have to be gospel. But what do you think will be the the standout performance this year? What, what's your headline headline horse? Private Eye becomes world's best sprinter. Oh, I like that. I like that. And uh, what do you think will be? Um, did you like that? Did you? Did you like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I did like that. I like that. Um, you know, because... can I just tell you, sometimes your yeah. best things come off the top of your head without even thinking. I wasn't even thinking, and it just went bang. Private um, Eye, world's best sprinter. Private like Eye, it. world's best sprinter. Well, there you go. Uh, and what about um, for yourself, mate? Any New Year's resolutions? Um, <laughs> everyone stay healthy. Yeah, I like it. Actually, I like that one too. I thought you were going to say back plenty of winners. Do the form. Yeah, that's, you know what? That comes second at the moment. Just stay, everyone can get health right. Well, and I think that's, uh, that is a good way to be, mate. Good mindset to have. Pleasure talking to you, mate, on this Tuesday. We'll chat next week and looking forward to a big year, mate. Let's have some fun. So, Dave, and uh, have a safe 2023, everybody.